With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Robert Jones Situation Report. Today we want to talk about um, Obama's class warfare speech delivered in Osawatomie, Kansas on December 6th. President Obama delivered a sweeping indictment of economic inequity inequality in the United States while as he summoned the memory of President Theodore Roosevelt and pledged to fight for fairness at a make or break moment for the middle class only a month before Republican voters began choosing a presidential nominee Obama traveled to small town Ottawatomie, Kansas, a site where Roosevelt delivered his new nationalism address in 1910 to embrace the progressive reformers' call for a square deal for regular Americans. Obama warned of an unraveling of the American dream and called for giving hurting middle-class workers a fair shake and restoring financial security. Themes he is certain to return to through throughout the 2012 campaign. Folks, Obama has laid down the gauntlet. He 
he has tipped his hand to his strategy of us versus them. I'm middle class. I don't believe I'm getting a a raw deal from anybody. I doubt that there are many middle class folks who feel that way. But he went on to say that, and I quote, This isn't another political debate. This is the defining issue of our time. The defining issue of our time. This is a make or break moment for the middle class and all those who are fighting to get into the middle class. This is what Obama told a crowd at the in the Osawatomie High School gym where red, white, and blue bunting lined the bleachers. He said, because at stake is whether this will be a country where working people can earn enough to raise a family, build a modest savings, own a home, and secure their retirement. Taking aim at Republicans, Obama said, their philosophy is simple. We're better off when everyone is left to fend for themselves and play by their own rules. Well, yeah. We are better off when everyone is left to fend for themselves and play by the rules. It's not the president's job to take care of anybody. It's not the president's job to coddle. That's easy for me to say. Anyone. It's not his job to look out for me. It's not the president's job to look out for you. That's not what the president does. That's not what he was supposed to do. That's not how the framing, the fathers, the framers of this great constitution, the country, the builders of this nation designed the president, the president's office to be. You are not my father, Mr. Obama. I have two parents. It's not your job to be my daddy. It's not your job to be my guardian angel or to look out for me. Why does, why does he think that's the case? Well, we're going to take a listen because I know some of you probably didn't hear the speech, but you heard of it. I know you did. So while we're here, we're going we're gonna to take a listen to this clown's speech, and perhaps you can judge for yourself whether or not this idiot has any idea what America is really all about or supposed to be about. I'm going to go ahead and play the clip right now. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Now, the video is not ready yet, so we're going to go ahead and get it up here. And once we get it running, we'll be ready to go. Mm Mm-hmm. In the meantime, let's continue on with the show. 
I have I have for you guys a really cool audio clip of my man Rush Limbaugh giving a serious speech <laughs> uh giving a he, I mean he just lays it down about what Obama is really all about but in the meantime, while we get to that, let's get to this. Take a listen. We'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We'll be right back. Which firmly and unmistakably underlines... And then a politician emerged who also believed that people should be allowed to express themselves. Instead of being controlled by the state... The individual should become the central focus of society. Some socialists seem to believe that people should be numbers in a state computer. We believe they should be individuals. We're all unequal. No one, thank heavens, is quite like anyone else, however much the socialists may pretend otherwise. And we believe that everyone has the right to be unequal. But to us, Every human being is equally important. A man's right to work as he will, to spend what he earns, to own property, to have the state as servant and not as master, they are the essence of a free economy. And on that freedom, all our other freedoms depend. gets a fair shot at success. I believe that this country succeeds when everyone gets a fair shot. When everyone does their fair share. All right, hold and it right there. Hold it right there. When everyone gets a fair shot. What does that mean? How does everyone get a fair shot? We're all born into this world with at least one parent, some with none. Some of us go into foster homes or orphanages or, 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 or all our circumstances are different. How do we all get a fair shot? And who decides how we're given that fair shot? Who decides who gets the fair shot? All of us get a fair shot. What does that mean when all of us gets a fair shot, a fair share of something? Who decides that? We're born the way we're born. Some of us are born with two parents. Some of us are born with one. Some of us go straight to our grandmothers. A lot of us know about that. How 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 are we how do we all start off equally? Not a lot of us have equal intelligence. Some of us are smarter than others. Some of us have higher IQs, some lower. How are we equal? I started off in a class at the United States Naval Academy in 1983 with a class of 1,200 students. There were 1,200 in my class, in my freshman class. Come senior – now, wait a minute now. We were all judged to be equal. We all had – we all started off on the same footing. We were all intelligent young men. 
Otherwise, we wouldn't have been chosen. Some of us had to go through a six-month prep school just to verify that we had what it took to get in. Others went straight through to the freshman class, reported for freshman orientation. How are we? But we, but at at the point of the first day of classes, we were all equal. At the end of the four year term, we were not so much equal anymore. Some of us had fallen to the bottom of the class, some to the middle, some rose to the top. Others simply were washed out. How is it that we're all equal? The, the unfortunate fact is we are not all equal. Perhaps we're all created equal. Perhaps we start off as little children being equal in the eyes of the Lord. And I believe that. I truly do. Equal intellect? No. Equal athletic ability? No. No, we are not equal. So where does this idea of a fair shot come into play? I think we make our own fair shot. We make our own luck, our own opportunities, and we don't do so equally. Some of us have more than others. Is that fair? Some of us have less. Is that fair? Because a lot of times less is so much more. Finish up listening to this clown. Restore fairness. Asking everybody to do their fair share. When everyone engages in fair play and everybody gets a fair shot and everybody does their fair share. A tax code that makes sure everybody pays their fair share, in which everyone gets a fair chance. You now, rebuilding this economy based on fair play, a fair shot, and a fair share. Now, this kind of inequality, less inequality, inequality also distorts our democracy. This kind of gaping inequality, trend of rising inequality over the last uh -huh. few decades, this isn't about class warfare. Yeah, it is. This is about the nation's welfare. Today, thanks to loopholes and shelters, a quarter of all millionaires now pay lower tax rates than millions of you. That's a lie. And now we know that to be an outright lie. I spoke to a lady today, and I was at a restaurant downtown, and she talked about the inequality. We had a nice discussion of Sam Walton and Walmart and how they don't pay their fair share and how they don't take care of their workers and how they get around certain laws so that they can pay their workers less. I said to the lady, look, lady, there's a reason why you can go into Walmart and get very inexpensive goods. There's a reason why the prices are so low at Walmart. Would you rather the prices be higher and you be paid a little more so that you can buy those price, those goods at the higher price? She didn't understand this, and we got off into a discussion about taxes, folks paying their fair share. 
Now, I've talked to a lot of people over the course of the last year or so who talk about their taxes and how they pay their taxes, and they want to make sure that they're getting what they pay for and that there are people who are of the 1% crowd who don't pay enough taxes and that they should pay more. I said to the lady, now, they usually fall into my trap, and this one did so also. I said, now, you um, you pay taxes, right? And she said, yes. And I said, well, now, let me make sure I understand. At the end of the year, when you file your tax returns, you send a check into Uncle Sam. You have to write a check and send it into him, right, by the, by, by the 14th, by April, by the April deadline. She said, no, no, I get a refund. And I said to her, well, I sighed just like that. I said, ma'am, you don't pay taxes. What happens is you're giving the government a loan for just about a year, and at the end of that year, you get all of that money back, and if you're creative, you might get a little more. You're not paying taxes. You're giving the government a loan. They're giving you your money back. Me, on the other hand, every quarter I send a check to Uncle Sam. I don't get any money back. I may be able to write off a few things here and there, business expenses and such, you know, a charitable charitable donations, that sort of thing. But at the end of every quarter, I write a check and I send it in to the federal government. I pay taxes. You do not. There's this misconception that the majority of Americans pay taxes. Nearly 50% of all Americans do not pay any federal taxes, any at all. But there are people like me who actually come out of their pockets every quarter and pay taxes. That's the facts. So when... Mr. Obama talks about folks paying their fair share and that there are millionaires and billionaires not paying their fair share in taxes when millionaires are paying less in taxes than their secretaries. Well, I don't know very many secretaries who actually pay taxes into the federal tax system. There may be a few out there who are in the six-figure range who are having to fork over some of their jack at the end of the year like I do. But most Americans get a refund. If you get a refund equal to the amount that you put in at the end of the year, you're not paying taxes. Do not talk about how you pay taxes. And Obama shouldn't be talking about how you pay taxes because he's lying to you. He's pulling one over on you. Let's finish up. Listen to some more of this. Millions of middle-class families. Some billionaires have a tax rate as low as 1%. 1%. That is the height of unfairness. It is wrong. This isn't about class warfare. This is about the nation's welfare. Is that on the whole and in the long run, we shall go up or down together. Thank you. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. 
favorite device to stir our emotions is to contrast extremes of wealth and of poverty. We are expected to conclude that the rich are responsible for the deprivations of the poor. That they are rich at the expense of the poor. Whether it is in the slums of New Delhi or in the affluence of Las Vegas, it simply isn't fair that there should be any losers. Life is unfair. There's nothing fair about one man being born blind and another man being born with sight. There's nothing fair about one man being born of a wealthy parent and one of an impecunious parent. There's nothing fair about Muhammad Ali having been born with a skill that enables him to make millions of dollars one night. There's nothing fair about Marlena Dietrich having great legs that we all want to watch. There's nothing fair about any of that. But on the other hand, don't you think a lot of people who like to look at Marlena Dietrich's legs benefited from nature's unfairness in producing a Marlena Dietrich? What kind of a world would it be if everybody was an absolute identical duplicate of anybody else? You might as well destroy the whole world and just keep one specimen left for a museum. In the same way, it's unfair that Muhammad Ali should be a great fighter and should be able to earn millions. But wouldn't it, be, would it not be even more unfair to the people who like to watch him. If you said that in the pursuit of some abstract ideal of equality, we're not gonna let Muhammad Ali get more for one night's fight than the lowest man on the totem pole can get for a day's unskilled work on the docks. You could do that. But the result of that would be to deny people the opportunity to watch Muhammad Ali. I doubt very much that he would be willing to subject himself to the kind of fights he's gone through if he were to get the pay of an unskilled docker. We're only one minute away from double jackpot time. When we're in the double jackpot time, watch the double jackpot board. But what does Las Vegas have to do with the real world? A great deal more than you might think. It's one very important part of our life in highly concentrated form. Every day, all of us are making decisions that involve gambles. Sometimes they're big gambles, as when we decide what occupation to pursue or whom to marry. More often, they're small gambles, as when we decide whether to cross the street against the traffic. But each time, the question is, who shall make the decision? We or somebody else. We can make the decision only if we bear the consequences. That's the economic system that has transformed our society in the past century and more. That's what gave the Henry Fords, the Thomas Alva Edisons, the Christian Barnards, the incentives to produce the miracles that have benefited us all. It's what gave other people the incentive to provide them with the finance for their ventures. Of course, there were lots of losers along the way. We don't remember their names, but remember, they went in with their eyes open. They knew what they were doing. And win or lose, we, society, benefited from their willingness to take a chance. And it's only right that we ask everyone to pay their fair share. Pay their fair share. Pay our fair share in taxes in a way that is fair. Pay their fair share. Pay their fair share in taxes. Pay their fair share. It's also about fairness. All right. We get the picture here. Are we all created equal? 
Should we all make the very same amount of money? Should we all live in exact duplicate houses, have exact duplicate things? Should we all be mindless drones and wear gray? Gray military-style uniforms. Is that what Obama's talking about? Is he talking about fairness? If we, if he is right, and in a way I think he is, we should all pay our fair share. That means when I write a check at the end of the quarter for $11,270 like I did recently, that means that Todd Lightman should do the same. That means an angry mom should do the exact same. That means that Tesla should write an equal check. That means that 2020 Network should write a check for 11000 Casanova, Evil Clown, the three guests in the room, John Galt, Melinda, Net King, no way. Everybody should write the same check. Write the same amount on a check and send it in. We should all be equal and pay our fair share. Because that's how much I wrote to pay my taxes for the quarter. And I will come up this January with another $9,000 in taxes for the next quarter. Do any of you have $9,000 to pay your taxes? Any of you within the sound of my voice? Because that's how much I pay. And let me tell you something. That's how much I'm going to be paying this time around. So if Obama is talking about folks paying their fair share, and we're all equal and doing what's fair, then I want you guys to come up with that amount of money. Because that's how much I pay. So we'll just start with me. We'll use me as the barometer. 9000 I think it's like $9,640 or some such thing like that. That's how much I have to pay. That means that that mom down the road who is struggling to put her kid through college, she should pay that amount too. Let's all just be fair. Let's just do it the fair way. But that's not how it works, is it? It's not going to work that way. We're not all created equal. Oh, it's so nice to say that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, a life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes, that's where, that's where it ends. That's where equality ends. That's where it ends. In a class of... Mm, of 71 second lieutenants that made it from officer candidate school to the basic school in the class of 1985. Guess what? At the end of a 10-year period, there were three of us left. I will do, Melinda. I sure will. I sure will. Uh, Tesla, 
Melinda says she loves you. And hi. I hope you can hear me, Tesla. <laughs> she says she loves you, Tesla. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Lots of love and kisses. All right. Uh, so, was that fair? Was it fair? I attended the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis. Some of my uh, some of my form, my second lieutenant uh, uh, peers at the time attended community colleges or or or, or state schools. Uh, one of my peers is now a general in the Marine Corps. I'm retired. Is that fair? Was it meant to be that way, or should we all just be generals? Should all seventy one of us? have started out equally and then moved on to become 71 generals. Is it fair? Is it fair that one of my less intellectually inclined peers is now a general in the Marine Corps and I am now retired? Is it fair? Or as Milton Friedman stated, is it fair that Muhammad Ali could get into a boxing ring and make millions of dollars in one night or Sugar Ray Leonard or any of these other folks while there are those of us who are struggling to just to eke out a meager living. Is it fair? Is life supposed to be fair? I mean, really? So, with that in mind, I've got a treat for you guys. I don't know how many of you folks listen to my main man, Rush Limbaugh, but I have been a loyal fan and loyal listener, wow, since 1988. 1988. I, uh, I went on Rush to Excellence tours. I have classic Rush Limbaugh No Boundaries ties. I am a ditto head through and through. I have all of Rush's books. I even sat in backstage on a couple of his Rush to Excellence tours and when he had his television show. In fact, I have all of his TV shows on VHS. I am a Rush Limbaugh fan. So I'm not sure how many of my loyal listeners here have is a, is, are ditto heads like me. But I've got a treat for you because they're going to talk about – he's going to talk about Mr. Obama. I don't know how many of you guys heard this guy, how many of you heard him get down. But before we get into that, I'd like to play this clip for you uh, where Jesse Jackson Jr. has stated uh, – and Sarge and I talked on the show last night about this. Sarge came into the show. He called in, and we talked about Jesse Jackson stating that he would like to see Obama bypass Congress altogether and employ some 40 million Americans at a cost of a whopping $40,000 each. $40,000 a head. In fairness, he said some more or some less, but it bears repeating on this show once again. Take a listen to Jesse Jackson Jr. calling for a direct hiring of unemployed Americans, all of them. 
President Barack Obama has asked his jobs council to identify areas of his jobs plan that can be implemented without congressional approval. Democratic Congressman Jesse Jackson, Jr. of the House Appropriations Committee, says President Obama's proposal needs to go further, and he should act without Congress if necessary. The president has asked his jobs council to look at areas of the plan that could be implemented administratively without well, congressional now, approval. Now, now we're making some, some progress. Um, President Obama uh, tends to um, uh, uh, idealize, and rightfully so, Abraham Lincoln, who looked at states in rebellion, and he made a judgment that the government of the United States, while the states are in rebellion, still had an obligation uh, to function. Uh, on several occasions now, we've seen Quite frankly, the Congress is in rebellion, determined, as Abraham Lincoln said, to wreck or ruin at, at all costs. I believe, quite frankly, in the direct hiring of 15 million unemployed Americans at $40,000 a head, some more than 40000 some less than 40000 That's a $600 billion stimulus. It could be a five-year program. For another $104 billion, we bail out all of the states. The problem within the states ends tomorrow for $104 billion. For another $100 billion, we bail out all of the cities. So for about $804 billion, we put 15 million Americans to work, we bail out the states, and we bail out the cities, but we do it through direct hire. We put people to work cleaning up communities, we put people to work through a civilian conservation corps, through a Works Progress Administration, because the hour demands it. And as more people work, they pay taxes, they pay taxes into the fourth quarter, they buy wares, they buy homes, they meet their obligations, and our economy begins to work its way out of this protracted recession. I believe that's the only way out of this crisis, and I hope that the president begins to, con to, to, begins to continue to exercise extraordinary uh, constitutional means based on the history uh, of Congresses that have been in rebellion in the past. Um, uh, the president had the opportunity to exercise Section 4 of the 14th Amendment during the debt crisis. He chose not to, to help the United States honor its obligations because the Congress is in rebellion. When we recognize that the Congress is in rebellion, I think the president of the United States uh, will follow the correct course. He's doing that now. He's looking administratively for ways to advance the causes of the American people because this Congress is completely dysfunctional. So you would support some administrative actions as far as new spending, that. stimulus pro projects oh, being implemented. Absolutely. In the, uh, the, declare a national emergency on the question of jobs and, and the economy. Declare a national emergency uh, on the question of unemployment. But at the same time, recognize the size and the scope of the problem. Uh, if you recognize it, then, as I've heard other economists in the Wall Street Journal and even the New York Times have suggested, that the president's uh, jobs proposal is about one-twentieth the size of the problem. So we haven't truly provided a, 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 a national cause that generates uh, the kind of uh, a, a mass appeal behind the jobs program that's necessary. I support the jobs plan. I support the president's reelection. I support Barack Obama. Uh, but at this hour, we need a plan that meets the size and the scope of the problem to put the American people to work. And that's what you meant by going further. We've got to go further. I support what he does. Clearly, Republicans are not going to be for it. But if the administration can handle administratively what can be done, we should pursue it. Uh, and if there is a, if there is a, um, if there is, are, if there are extra constitutional uh, opportunities that allow the president administratively to put the American people to work, he should pursue every single one of them. On Capitol Hill, I'm Nicholas Palacy, the Daily Caller. All right. So, did you did you hear that lunacy? Uh, 
the states being in rebellion, calling for Lincoln to exercise extraordinary constitutional means, according to Jesse Jackson Jr., is equal to the Congress being in rebellion against the president's agenda and proposals, and somehow they're the same thing, and so he should exercise extraordinary means and measures, the president. But the way that – it's my understanding, and I'm no constitutional scholar by any means, that the three separate but equal branches of government were designed specifically so that no one man or one group of men could reign supreme over the American people. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? And and I believe that Jesse Jackson Jr. knows that. But he simply doesn't care. So here we go. Let's get this party started with my main man and yours, Rush Limbaugh, telling it like it is and putting President Obama in his place. And I tell you what, I I listened to this earlier today and I hel- I couldn't help but but smile because you know Rush Rush puts it so succinctly. Now, now the cool thing about about Rush Limbaugh is that Rush is a is a college dropout. I mean, I mean, he didn't. He's not a college man, but he knows what he knows, and he talks about it. And so, right now, we're going to go ahead and listen to this because I got to tell you, it is great. And if you haven't heard Rush. Talk uh, talk about this uh, uh, this chip on his shoulder about Barack Obama and his policies. You are really in for a treat right here and now. Let's take a listen. At ADT, we get financing from After GE this Capital. crash we commercial. We installed a GE fleet monitoring system that tracks every vehicle in their fleet. It cuts fuel use and enhances customer service. It's pretty amazing when people who loan you money also show you how to save it. Not just money, knowledge. It's so much information. It's like I'm right there in every van in the entire fleet. Good day overall? Yeah. I'm good? Come on in. Let's go. Wow, this is fantastic. GE Capital, they're not just bankers. We're builders. They help build our business. Limbaugh. Rush, nice to see you. Thanks, Greta. Great to be here as always. Thank you. And of course, we love being here, although we blew out your power when we arrived. Well, it's the second time it's happened. We should have been more prepared for this, but it only kept us off the air about three minutes. We'll send you the bill. And of course, it's the second time, though, but it's also the the first time was us, too. Yeah, it was. Both times. The only two times. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, (laughs) next time, I promise that we won't do it. Um, 2012 election. What do you think is the most important issue to conservative Americans? Obama. Everything Obama. That's the most important issue to conservative Americans. I don't, I don't know how you separate Obama from his policies. Obama is his policies. and Obama's the problem. Uh, Obama has a vision of this country that is not held by anywhere near a majority of people. You realize Barack Obama had run for office in 2008 campaigning on what he's done wouldn't have got 30 percent of the vote if that which is pretty much commensurate with the way that i think how liberals have to run they have to lie they have to mischaracterize who they are what they are what they want to do uh what they stand for they are a minority in this country they're a minority of thought 
but they are not perceived that way. They've got the mainstream media with them. The perception is that they're uh, a much larger block than, uh, than they really are. But if you had to signal out one thing about Obama, it would be Obamacare. I mean, that sums up, I think, everything that's disastrous, dangerous, destructive about Barack Obama. If that, if that health care bill is not reformed, repealed, the country is going to change forever in ways that people cannot possibly imagine. It's going to be a massive loss of individual liberty and freedom. And once the government has control of health care and the costs involved, then they can dictate every aspect of the way you live based on saving money, uh, whether or not you're going to be treated based on your age and whether somebody thinks it's worth it to save you if you have some sort of a, a bad disease. It's just, it's just bad all the way around. And I, you know, people ask me, uh, you really think these things that you say about Obama? And I do. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, and if you'll recall, January 16th, before Obama was inaugurated, I, I was asked to write a piece for the Wall Street Journal, 400 words on what I hope for the president. And I remember at that time, everybody was uh, awash in the glow of the first black president, all the historical aspects of it. And that didn't matter to me. Once he was elected, cool, fine, great achievement. His policies matter to me. What he's going to do. And I told the Wall Street Journal, it won't take 400 words. I can do it in four. I hope he fails. And what I meant by that was I hope that everything he wants to do policy-wise fails. He hasn't failed he has succeeded beyond his wildest dreams, I'm sure. This is national single-payer health care, which is where this is headed, if it happens. Huge, huge achievement, ballgame. Uh, the, the green energy stuff, I mean, that, that's all a hoax and a fraud based on another hoax and fraud, global warming. And I, uh, you know, I do get interested in motivations, you know, why politicians do things they do, what, what motivates. A lot of people don't care to get involved with that. I do. Uh, because I think it, it's a track. It can give you a, an idea where they're going in the future if you understand what it is that motivates them. And I have often, always suspected that Obama has a chip on his shoulder about the country, that he doesn't think of it as great. He doesn't think of it as exceptional. Uh, he thinks of it as um, criminal in many ways, as, as guilty in many ways. Uh, he thinks that uh, our superpower status was a result of theft, resources and ideas from other nations all over the world. He believes the multicultural garbage that we came here, kicked the Indians off the land and brought with us racism, sexism, bigotry, homophobia, slavery and all that. Uh, and I think that Obama wants the people of this country to find out what it's like to live the way he thinks we have forced other people around the world to live. Uh, and he said it. We went to Osawatomie, Kansas. He basically said that the way this country founded has never worked. Self-reliance, the way he characterized it was even, to me, offensive, that uh, everybody out fending for themselves. Self-interest has fed more people than charity ever has. Self-interest, everybody trying to do for the best for themselves, not selfishness, but self-interest, raises everybody up. Uh, it offends him. It says it's never worked. So he said in 230, 40 years, whatever, America has never worked. The rich are the problem. Who believes that the rich are the reason we've got an economic mess? He does, or he wants people to believe it. It's offensive. It is outrageous. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't relish the thought of four more years of this.
is he, in your mind, a bad guy or is it a different ideology? <laughs> One and the same. Um, what do you mean by bad guy? could be a little loaded. I guess, I mean, a motive to, uh, an intentional motive to hurt the country versus his ideology is one that the way to achieve ideals is different values. This is the, this is the question. Um, we are living under a number of assumptions about Obama that have been presented to us by elites, both parties. Uh, one of the illusions is that Obama's brilliant. These smarter than anybody else in the room. Uh, it was messianic. We have never had a politician like this in our midst, we were told in 2007, 2008. Nobody like Obama has ever trod our soil. It was going to unify us. The world was going to love us again. It's going to lower the sea levels. I mean, uh, ridiculous stuff. Um, so the question is, is he just dumb? Uh, does he really believe this economic stuff? Does he really believe that taking capital money out of the private sector and transferring it to government and unions is the way you the private sector is that the way creates does he really believe that is he that ill-educated is he the product of uh nothing other than the american education system and whoever influenced him at home when he was young or is he an ideologue is he a marxist socialist who has an agenda it's oriented toward cutting the country down to size. I mean, that's the question. For me, uh, the answer to the question is, is irrelevant. I simply, what, whatever he's doing, why he's doing it, it's obvious he is doing it. He is taking steps, he's had policies that are injurious to the country, injurious to individuals, targeting as the enemy the people who work in this country, targeting as the enemy the people who pay taxes. Uh, this this business of, of uh, this Occupy Wall Street crowd, which is his, was created, I think, on the basis that Romney was going to be the Republican nominee, Romney's Wall Street, so you get Obama's band out there, Occupy Wall Street protesting, it was set up to oppose Romney. Uh, Wall Street blamed for all of these ills in the economy, like the subprime mortgage problem. That's the subprime mortgage problem, which is the root of this economic disaster we're in, was strictly created by government. It was a plan designed, as Barney Frank has said, affordable housing. Uh, put people in homes who couldn't afford them. Loan them money knowing they can't pay it back. Community Redevelopment Act. Bill Clinton started it with Jimmy Carter and Janet Reno, Andrew Cuomo. They forced lending institutions to make these loans, these mortgages, people can't pay them back. The lending institutions are holding worthless paper that's no good. So what do they do? They come up with creative ways to turn that worthless paper into something of value by creating mortgage-backed securities that they then sell to another unsuspecting bunch of dupes down the line. And that kept happening until there was nobody left to buy them. The whole thing blew up, and it's, and it's where we are. And Wall Street had nothing to do with it. They're a convenient enemy. Obama loves to run around and talk about Wall Street tricked people into coming in and getting these loans. Wall Street didn't tick anybody. They were told, they were ordered by the government to make these loans in fairness, stop redlining against minorities and so forth. It was liberalism on parade. Liberalism has given us every problem that we're facing in this country today, without exception. Now, whether liberals are dumb and stupid and ill-educated or whether what this is purposeful, too late now to draw the distinction. Uh, it's happening. And they're doubling down on it. Three years. 
And every policy to create jobs hasn't worked. Greta, do you realize there are two and a half million fewer jobs in America than there were when Obama was immaculated? That's why the unemployment rate's dropping. There are fewer jobs. The universe from which we create this percentage has shrunk. The real unemployment rate, who was it? So there's two people have said this. Old Financial Times guy, uh, some guy named Luce, James Pepecoukas at, uh, at Reuters. If the same number of jobs existed when Obama was inaugurated, the real un- today, uh, as in 2008, then the real unemployment rate would be 11%. It's a, it's a disaster. And there's been plenty of time to realize it doesn't work and to change course. He hasn't done that. So to me, Patently, obviously, he's not going to do it because he doesn't believe in it. What's happening, I think he enjoys. Do you think he's going to get reelected? Um, well, you know, it's, it's a year away, 11 months away, and anything can happen. I, uh, I think the election were today, no. The election today, he's losing a landslide. I don't believe the conventional wisdom that the Republicans only have one person that can beat him. I don't believe the conventional wisdom that his billion dollars can dwarf any campaign, that his association with the media can disparage and criticize any opponent to the point they can't win. American people are hurting. Uh, Obama can't run his record. The last thing, he cannot say, vote for me for four more years. All Obama can do is run a negative campaign, tear across, or tear apart his opponent, tear apart the country in the process. You know, these two guys that appear on your network a lot, Cadell and Schoen, they wrote a piece begging him to get out, make way for Hillary. They said his only chance is to run such a scorched earth campaign. Even if he wins, he's torn the country apart in the process, divided it uh, worse than it's been in decades, not worth the price that his reelection would, and he wouldn't have a mandate to do anything after he wins. But I think he's imminently defeatable. So I, I don't believe the inside the beltway uh, conventional wisdom about elections pretty much in any regard. You mentioned Hillary Clinton. Um, would she have been a different president in you? Not ideologically. How about in what she accomplished? Um, I think she would have sought much the same kind of thing. I don't, I don't know whether she would have succeeded, for example, in getting health care passed. But it, it, people have forgotten. You look what they were, they were this close to deeming health care passed without voting on it. That close to deeming it because they really – didn't have the votes for it, even with their own party. Uh, there was so much finagling going on to get that to get health care passed um, that whether Hillary could have gotten it done or not. But she's an Alinskyite. I mean, she's a, she's a disciple of the same community organizer and agitator that that inspired uh, Obama. Um, so to me, it would have been six of one half dozen or the other. Has either one of them done anything that has impressed you? You know, I get this question all the time. I, uh, Obama doesn't even impress me. Uh, I like the number of vacations he takes. I wish I could take that many. Uh, he's played 10 times the rounds of golf that I've played this year. Um, but I'm not, see, the, the, the root of that question is, is there anything nice? Because they may be perfectly nice people, Greta. I, I'm strictly oriented toward policy. And in the area of policy, there's, there's uh, well, I guess Obama was honest last December when he acknowledged he had to extend the Bush tax cuts. You remember during the lame duck session of Congress. And if you go back and listen to what Obama was saying a year ago, last December versus today, two different people. Last year, we couldn't end the Bush tax rate 
cuts because that would be a huge tax increase on the middle class. Well, now, wait a minute. Up until then, the Democrats and Obama said, no, 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 the Bush tax cuts were for the rich only. Bush didn't ta- cut tax the middle class. Of course, he did. The Bush tax rate reductions were across the board for everybody. And Obama did not want to get rid of those last year because he did not want people with less money in their back pocket be a tax increase in his reelection year. But that irritated his base. So now he had to promise January on through this year to get rid of it. The Bush tax cuts are now the big enemies. Going to get rid of them, raise taxes on the rich. Totally disingenuous. But he was honest last December when he talked about the value of the Bush tax cuts and what damage would be caused if they got rid of them. All right, we're back. I didn't really want to give you guys a full Rush Limbaugh show, but uh, this was a uh, an interview done with Greta just a couple of days ago, and it's all over the blogosphere, all over the net, all over the networks, the ones who will cover it, that uh, my man and yours, Rush Limbaugh, put it down straightforward, and he called Obama – well, he called – well, no pun intended, a spade, a spade. He put it out there. And I believe a lot of us agree with exactly what Rush is saying when it comes to Barack Hussein Obama, that he is not unbeatable. We just – we really need to focus on this upcoming election. We really need those of us who want to see this country restored to greatness, want American exceptionalism restored – We don't want a president bowing and scraping or dividing the nation, us versus them, we, they, the haves versus the have-nots, all of that crap. We don't want that. At the very least, we want a president who's going to bring this country together a la Ronald Wilson Reagan and talk about American exceptionalism and how this is a great country, a city on a shining hill, all of that. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about lower taxes, less regulation, government staying out of our business, less government, more us. Now, you've been listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I want to thank everybody for coming in and listening tonight. You guys are great. All the folks in the chat room uh, putting their um, their perspective in and, and their thoughts, and I appreciate all that. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we won't have a show tomorrow. I think David's going to go ahead and fill in for me because I'm going to be in the road leaving from Georgia, headed uh, up to uh, uh, up to Alexandria, Virginia, my home up there. And uh, hopefully David will be able to fill in for me. Uh, other than that, hey, you guys, thank you for listening tonight. Have a great weekend. And, uh, hey, God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Hey, and God bless Rush Limbaugh putting it out there just right. Help me, guys. Help the United States of America put the devil way down in the hole. Good night. God bless you. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon, walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. You gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. He's got the fire and the fury at his command. Well, you don't have 
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.